Hello, and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. For several weeks now, we've been considering what it means to know God's will for our lives. Does anybody remember triptychs? You remember triptychs? Um, back in prehistoric times, <laughs> or at least before GPS was invented, uh, triptychs were produced by AAA. That's the American Automobile Association, for those of you who are oblivious to who AAA is. And triptychs uh, provided this detailed map for very long road trips. My wife, Cheryl, loves triptychs. She still mourns the loss of triptychs. <laughs> and I guess you can still get triptychs from AAA. Is that right? I think they still make them. I mean, it shows you what direction that uh, you're going without having to figure out whether it's north, south, east, west. Um, it shows you what it, it also, and sometimes the, the AAA people will even use a colored marker with arrows to confirm the right direction. <sighs> Ooh, that's neat. And it tells you about the exact mileage from point A to point B. It has multiple pages that you can flip uh, from one to the other so you have this visceral sense of progress uh, as you travel along the highway. Uh, it tells you where the major exits are located so you can plan your eating stops accordingly. It gives you information about the region that you're traveling through. And most importantly, it shows you exactly where the rest stops are located so you can manage your bladder on that long road trip. Well, I mean, wouldn't it be just so great if God gave us a heavenly triptych to guide us through light, or at least a divine GPS, you know, a global positioning system that told us exactly when to turn right, um, you know, go here, do this. Yes, God does provide guidance and direction, it's true, but, but it's, more like a, it's more like a compass than GPS or a triptych. It's as if he says to us, here's the direction I want you to go. Trust me with the details. Trust me during what seems like the detours along the way. I might let you see the next mile in your life, but I'm not going to show you the next 500 miles. Trust me. Obey me. Stay close to me. Follow me. That's how God provides guidance. So this morning, I, I want to talk with you, and I want you to think together with me about God's will and problems. Hmm. Because I got problems, you got problems, all God's children got problems, right? How, how do problems fit into God's will for your life and for mine? And I want us to look at an important Bible verse today, and in order to understand the verse better, I want us to read some verses before it. So if you would, 
in whatever version or mode you have the Bible, I would encourage you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want to encourage you to, for you to put your eyes on God's Word for yourself today. Take it in. And um, I want you to follow along as I read 1 Peter. Now, the verse that I want us to focus on is verse 19. But uh, I want us to begin reading at verse 12 so we get an idea of the context, okay? So here we go, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Those Christians were having problems. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And here's verse 19. This is the one that I want to really have you think with me about. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So here's just a few quick observations about what we just read. Peter made it very clear that problems are a normal part of life, even for Christian people. And he carefully distinguished between problems that we bring on ourselves and those that come as a direct result of being a follower of Jesus. And he suggested that some problems are simply the result of our allegiance and loyalty to Jesus. And, and then in verse 19, Peter says something we must not miss. He clearly stated there that sometimes suffering, and I'm just throwing a wide net here, problems, heartaches, whatever comes underneath the, the heading of problems, can in fact be God's will. For you and me. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. I want to say this again because I think sometimes we, we, we forget this easily. Sometimes problems are God's will for you and me. Huh. All too often, when, when a problem or a difficulty comes into our lives, we assume that God is failing or, or maybe he's punishing us uh, or that we have somehow moved outside of God's will. We think, look, I've, I've missed God's will. Otherwise, why, why would I be having this problem? And the existence of a problem doesn't in and of itself prove that we've moved out of God's will. On the contrary, God might have a purpose in that problem that's an integral, vital, and necessary part of his will for you and for me. 
So in my preparation for today, I came across five ways that God can use problems to achieve his will in your life and in my life. So here's the first one. God uses problems to direct me. God uses problems to direct me. I I like what uh, this other Bible verse tells us about problems. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Huh. Do you agree with that verse? Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. I mean, hasn't God sometimes used problems to motivate you? to get you going, to get your attention, or to get you to change an attitude or a behavior. God uses problems to to, to prod us and to push us and prompt us in to the right direction. And I hate to admit it, but, but yes, God has sometimes used a painful experience in my life, a problem, to get me to change my ways. I, I remember years ago, I had a time in my life uh, before coming to KRBC when I, when I wasn't enjoying my calling as a pastor. I, I kind of hit a brick wall, and I, I didn't feel effective. I wondered if, you know, I ought to go into some other kind of work, some other kind of career, and it was a painful time. But God began to show me that I had become spiritually and intellectually lazy And I wasn't growing, and I wasn't putting myself in a position to grow. And I needed to change, and God initiated change by allowing problems to come into the life of Rick Bruch. Two examples from the Bible. Remember the prophet Jonah? God wanted him to go to the city of Nineveh tell people there to repent so God wouldn't have to judge them. Jonah refused because he hated the people of Nineveh, right? And he literally and physically went the opposite direction from Nineveh. And the Bible says that God sent a great fish to swallow him whole and then vomit uh, Jonah up on the beach back in the direction of Nineveh. And sometimes God will allow a problem to swallow you up and then vomit you out in the right place into the right direction. God can use problems to direct you and me. Another example, remember the famous story Jesus told about the prodigal or the lost son? He wasted his father's inheritance. The slop he was feeding pigs, was the only job he could get started to look kind of tasty to him. And only then did he, did he finally come to his senses, the Bible says. And he got up and he made the long journey home to dad and, and asked for forgiveness. Folks, here's the thing. A problem will never leave you where it finds you. A problem will never leave you where it finds you. And the fact is that we rarely change until and unless we get desperate. And sometimes a problem just picks you up and deposits you somewhere else. And so God uses problems to direct you and me in the direction he wants us to go. Here's something else about problems and God's will. God uses problems to test me. 
God uses problems to test me. You know, the Bible teaches that on occasion, God will allow problems in order to test you and me. Problems have a way of revealing what's going on in our hearts. Here's what Moses said to the people of Israel after God brought them out of Egypt. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. And it's the fact that that problems have a way of revealing what's inside of you and me. And as someone has observed, that Christians can be a whole lot like tea bags. How's that? How are Christians like tea bags? Well, the, the, you don't know really what's inside of them until you put them in some hot water. Then you see what, what comes out. Pressure reveals the real you. Problems reveal your character. Difficulties have a way of revealing what or who you trust in. Well, someone might, might, might ask, you know, well, since God already knows all things, doesn't he already know how I'm going to act and react to problems beforehand? Well, yes, he certainly does, but you don't. I don't. And God uses problems to reveal our own hearts to us. Problems reveal the depth of our commitment to Jesus. Problems reveal how much and to what extent we truly trust in God. We say we trust in God. Problems will reveal whether we do or not. Problems reveal our willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit in all things at all times. You know, no one, no one in the Bible was tested more than Job, right? And Satan told God that the only reason that Job obeyed him was because of all the blessings that God had poured out on his life. And so God allowed Satan to test Job. And he lost everything, didn't he? All of his children were killed. Enormous wealth disappeared. Even his own health deteriorated. And and Job struggled with why God had allowed all these problems to come into his life. But he also made this marvelous statement of faith. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me. I will come out as pure as gold. And so Job compared his problems to to how precious metal is refined. The the way that you purify gold or silver is is to turn up the heat, and the heat literally burns away everything that isn't gold or silver. And God uses the heat of life's problems to refine and to purify your life and mine. It can, yes, it it can burn away the things in our lives that we need to get rid of. And problems can even burn away the things in your life and mind that maybe aren't sins, but but they don't really matter and and we're too focused on them. Or or we give our things to think, or we we give ourselves to things that really don't matter for, for, for life and for eternity. And problems have a way of of changing our perspective. Someone asked a silversmith a question. How, how do you know when the silver is pure? How do you know when the silver is pure? He had an interesting answer. When I can see my reflection in it. Huh. And when God can see the reflection of Jesus and his character in your life and in mine, he knows that we're being refined, purified, completed, 
God uses problems to test you and me. What else? Well, God uses problems to correct me. To correct me. Someone put it very succinctly and well when they said this, life is a school and problems are the curriculum. Hmm. Life is a school and problems are the curriculum. You see, a life free of problems is promised to us in heaven, not here on earth. And they're, they're just an inevitable part of human experience, aren't they? You know, some problems come to us through no fault of our own. I mean, they weren't the result of our own sin or our own foolishness. You, you get injured in a car accident that wasn't your fault. That's an example. Or, or maybe your employer had money issues and had to let you go. You, you lost your job. Wasn't your fault. And even those, those kind of experiences can be painful and difficult. It's maybe easier to see those kinds of problems, ones we didn't bring on ourselves, as part of God's will. But what about the problems that we did bring on ourselves? I mean, can, can even those kind of problems be a part of God's will? Folks, I sure hope so, because if not, I'm in big trouble. No, the problems we bring on ourselves, they're not God's perfect will for us. That's true. But God is still big enough and capable enough to redeem our stupid mistakes, our sins, and our foolish actions. And somehow and in some way, he works even them together for his glory and for our good. David says something to God in one of his psalms that's thought-provoking. My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. Hmm. God uses problems to educate us regarding what it means to be his child and to be in his family, and, and he can allow us to face the painful consequences of our sinful choices as a, as a kind of a punishment or a discipline. I mean, folks, let, let, Understand something. God can take you and me to the woodshed if we need to be taken there. He sure can. And the Bible says that God is like a father who knows how to practice tough love. Here, here's one place. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Huh. If, if, you're, a, if, if you're a genuine follower of Jesus, but you're messing up in, in some area of your life, folks, God is going to correct you. Count on it. And those verses that we looked at there in Hebrews remind us that if, you, if you're not ever getting corrected, it's because you're not really one of God's children. God doesn't discipline people who aren't his kids. Let's put the next slide up, please. God doesn't discipline people who aren't his kids. I, I, don't, I don't discipline your kids. I don't discipline my neighbor's kids when they mess up even if they need it, right? Not my job. But when my kids are growing up and, and, they, and they've messed up, did, did I take care of it? Well, sure. 
Maybe that's why people who have no use for God, you know, Jesus doesn't show up on their radar at all. Maybe that's why they seem to get away with a lot of stuff in life. You ever heard Christians kind of complain, well, they don't follow Jesus, but everything, nothing bad ever seems to happen to them. Well, perhaps God doesn't move as quickly to correct them because they're not a part of his family. Oh, he, he, he'll deal with them later as a judge, but not now as a father. If you're really a child of God, God is going to correct you when you need to be corrected. And God uses problems to correct you and me. Well, here's another truth about God's will and my problems. God uses problems to protect me. Now, this one may be a little bit different for you, a little bit ironic, or, or you haven't kind of thought of it this way. But did it ever occur to you that God can actually protect you from a greater problem by giving you a smaller one instead? The Bible says, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. And what Peter, who wrote that verse, was getting at is the fact that, that in the long run, it's safer to do what's right and honest and good, even if you suffer for it, than compromising your integrity in the long run. Uh, here's just a simple example. Let's say your boss suggests that you, that you do something that you know is dishonest or unethical. You know it's wrong, but you know, you're concerned. You're about losing a chance for a promotion, maybe even getting fired if you don't do it. That's a problem. There's no doubt about it. Um, and if you hold your ground and you refuse to be dishonest, you might indeed lose that promotion. Yes, you might even lose your job, but you may well avoid even greater problems down the road, such as legal action and lawsuits and, and even jail. God, God can make any problem to be a blessing in disguise to protect you from something much worse. And here's an example uh, in the Bible, and it's Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, you might remember that um, he was sold into slavery by his older brothers, right? He ended up in Egypt, became the servant of a man named Potiphar. Now, Joseph apparently was a very good-looking young man, and Potiphar's wife began to hit on him. And Joseph steadfastly refused to have anything to do with her. And so feeling rejected and scorned, she claimed that Joseph tried to rape her. Potiphar put Joseph in jail. Two long years he spent in jail. Now, Joseph did the right thing, but now he was suffering for it. And like Peter's verse... Joseph is an example of suffering for doing God's will. But here's the thing. Prison provided Joseph with an opportunity to get to know some very influential people. And eventually, you know the story, he was released. He became the second most powerful uh, man in Egypt after the Pharaoh. God put Joseph in a position of great influence by giving him a problem. And as a result, Joseph saved himself, his family, even, even the people of Egypt from the effects of a devastating famine. 
Problems, you see, can, can, can even be a preparation for eventual success in the hands of God. Toward the end of his life, Joseph was able to say to the very same brothers who had treated him so hatefully and shamefully, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Boy, that's a, talk about a godly perspective on your problems. Joseph had that. God uses problems sometimes even to protect you and me from bigger ones. Well, here's a final truth about God's will and our problems. God uses problems to perfect me, to perfect you and me. Now, when we talk about perfection in the Bible, we're not talking about never having committed a sin. You know, we're just perfect from day one to the day that we die. It's about maturity. And to perfect someone is to help a person reach maximum maturity. And God will most definitely use problems to develop you and me gradually into uh, whoever he wants us to be. You know, each of us resembles to some degree an uncut diamond. You know, uncut diamonds, they've got a lot of rough edges. Some have some dull spots. And God uses problems and difficulties to chip away and, and to smooth those rough edges that we have, as well as to polish up those dull spots in each of us so that we become this beautiful spiritual gem reflect, re reflecting God's glory in a dark and a broken world. And you and I can, can be reminded um, enough, we can't be reminded enough regarding what God wants to develop in our lives ultimately. What does God want for you and me? It's not, folks, his goal isn't financial success for us. It's not having the healthiest body around. It's not a comfortable retirement. It's not even happiness. God originally created human beings in his image, but we broke and distorted that image through sin. And God is all about restoring that image. And it was, it was perfectly reflected in Jesus when he walked on this earth. God's ultimate plan, his ultimate purpose for every human being is developing the character of Jesus himself fully in each one of us. He wants to see in you and me what he has seen in his son, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruits of the spirit. So how does that happen? How does God work that into us? Well, certainly meditating on God's word, praying, worshiping like we're doing right now, serving in a ministry, sharing our faith, all those help a great deal. But folks, like it or not, and, and right here I got to admit that there's a whole lot I don't like about it. Um, like it or not, God insists on using problems to perfect or mature you and me spiritually. And, and here's, what's, here's what's really annoying. God often allows problems to come into our lives that at first glance seem to encourage us to act in ways that are the exact opposite of what he wants to produce in us. Some examples. How does God teach us patience? Um, 
He deliberately allows problems to surround us that almost guarantee initially an impatient response from us, right? But how else are we going to learn patience? How does God teach us integrity? Well, he deliberately allows problems to surface in our lives that demand a clear-cut choice between honesty and dishonesty. How else are we going to learn to be honest? How, how does God teach us compassion? Well, he will on occasion put into your life and into my life MGR people. What are MGR people? More grace-required people. You know what I'm talking about. And how, how else do we ever learn to love unlovely people unless God brings them into our lives? Here's what the Bible says about problems. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now here's a suggestion, folks, that I need to get a whole lot better at following myself, okay? When we come up against a problem, let's learn to ask what rather than why. I mean, it's natural to, to ask, why, Lord? Uh, why is this happening now? Why is this happening to me? And, and we might never get the why question answered this side of heaven. Let's learn to ask the what question instead. What do you want to teach me, Lord? What do I need to learn from this problem? What do I need to change? What is your guidance for me in the midst of this problem? What are you trying to perfect in me? And God builds great character stuff in you and me through life's problems, not despite them. And since God doesn't show any inclination to change his methods of perfecting or, or maturing us, I, I guess, folks, you and I are just going to need to change our attitude about life's problems. And, and, and one place to start is learning to ask what rather than why questions when problems surface. Years ago, V. Raymond Edmond was the president of Wheaton College outside of Chicago. And I read something that he wrote about life's problems and how to face them that continues to challenge me. Just very simple and direct. Here's what, he, here's what he said. Something painful happened to me. Problem. This is how I met it. I was quiet for a while with the Lord, and then I wrote these words to myself. First, he brought me here. It is by his will I am in this strait, this difficult place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he needs to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, how and when only he knows." 
Let me say I am here first by God's appointment, second in his keeping, third under his training, fourth for his time. And boy, that last sentence is worth remembering whenever we face any problem, great or small. What did he say again? I am here first by God's appointment, second in his keeping, third under his training, fourth for his time. God uses problems to perfect us. You know, if you have children or grandchildren, I bet you're going to do what you see in that picture sometime very soon. Sam and Bethany, you're probably going to do this with Lazarus sometime here soon. There's a story about a father like that that, um, you know, he had his um, three-year-old son in the pool, and they started out, you know, they started over here in the shallow end of the pool. And um, he was holding this little three-year-old up uh, close to him up here, and um, the, the little guy, you know, he was, his, his father was tall enough that this little boy, his feet weren't even touching the water yet, and, you know, he felt very secure uh, just hanging on to dad with his arms around his neck. Well, then dad decided to play a little game with the three-year-old. And, um, you know, as the little boy was hanging on to him, he started to walk toward the deeper end of the pool. And he said gently, deeper, deeper, deeper. And um, as they moved toward the deeper end of the pool, that water started to rise on that little boy, and pretty soon, you know, it covered his feet, and then it was up to his knees, and then it was up to his waist. And, and um, now there was kind of a look of alarm on that little boy's face. He was afraid. You know, if, what's ironic about that is that if that little boy had had the ability to analyze his situation, he would have realized that there was nothing to be afraid of. He did not need to be alarmed because the fact was that anywhere in the pool was over his head. Even, even in the shallow end, if his dad hadn't had a hold of him, he would have been underneath the water. And here his dad was just taking him, yes, taking him a little deeper into, into the water, but dad's feet were still firmly on the floor of the pool. Folks, there will come into your life and my life times when we feel like we're in some pretty deep water. Deeper. 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 A doctor gives you bad news. Um, a relationship crumbles. A, a job is lost. Um, an addiction surfaces. Problems. And we become alarmed and we become afraid. And what's important to remember is that those problems were always bigger than us anyway. They were always bigger than us. 
But we have a heavenly father who has said that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And he's holding on to us today and every day. So, what have we learned today about, been reminded today about God's will and problems? Well, God uses problems to do what? Well, to direct us, to test us, to correct us, to protect us, and to perfect us. And there's no problem that God isn't bigger than that problem. I still remember and appreciate the statement by Corey Ten Boom, the great Dutch Christian who survived Nazi concentration camps. She said, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. That's right, isn't it? There's no problem that is bigger than God. Every problem is probably bigger than you and me. But it's not bigger than our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today for your will. There's a lot about it that we don't understand. And, and today we've, we've been reminded that sometimes problems can actually be your will for us, that you have a purpose and a plan in them that we need to understand. And, and we need to have the right perspective toward them as we continue to live out our lives before you. So, Father, we love you, we love your will, and help us to understand better how you can even use problems in our lives to move us into your will and help us to fulfill it. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.